Amen. Amen. Greater love. Amen. So let's honor them today by, let's just take a moment of silence, and then I want to pray over the whole thing. And let's just, in your moment of silence there in your own way, just, just uh, pray or honor the Lord, honor, honor them. Lord, this morning, we just want to honor those servicemen and women who have laid their lives down for our freedom. It's personal, Lord, because we wouldn't be here had they not done it. So, Lord, today we honor them as heroes that they are. We thank you, Lord God, for blessing the families that raise such people that would lay their lives down for others. Lord, let the grief that may be in their hearts be turned to joy today. And let them feel your power and your presence in their lives. Lord, we thank you for this great nation that we live in. That your good hand has been upon it. And you have led it and guided us through conflict after conflict. But here we still stand. A beacon of hope, of light into the world. So Lord, we honor those men and women today. And we thank you for them, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Praise God. What a great, what a great thing that we get to live in this country. Amen? amen. So look at somebody and say, you know, you're really blessed. Man, it's good to see y'all's faces out here. I got a few of y'all. I said, I was asking, I said, I hadn't seen Bill and Nell forever. I asked Dwayne the other day. I said, they still alive and kicking us in there. There they are. Praise God. They're here. <coughs> you know, pastor looking for his sheep. You know, I just kind of, man. It's kind of like, well, are they hung up in a bush somewhere or what? Stick their head through a fence and got caught. No, praise God, we're still here. Okay, so let me give you a few announcements this morning. Uh, the plan this week is John chapter 1. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm really be honest with y'all, you know, I don't want y'all to think that I'm some like, really like some spiritual huge super giant that has everything all figured out. Most of the time... I'm just running by the seat of my britches. God is making things happen. Told my wife yesterday, I didn't even realize that next week is Pentecost Sunday. I knew it was coming, but I didn't even check my calendar. And so at the first of the year, when I arranged the plan, uh, the, all the chapters, I had all the chapters that I knew that, that, I, that we wanted to put in there. And I just started flipping things. I just said, hey, let's see. okay, here we go. I just wrote them all up. And then I got to notice, I got to laughing because this week is John chapter one, and I had written on it, uh, Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And then next week I had Acts chapter two, and, and it was just like, I, I, I didn't even realize those are the weeks. And so praise God, I know he's in charge. But, um, you know, next week's going to be a great service. We're going to be here Pentecost Sunday. And uh, so anyway, this week, John chapter 1, start reading it. I know we always read the first part of John, but you know, the middle section is where John is seeing Jesus and declaring he's the Lamb of God who's going to baptize us in the Holy Spirit with fire. And so, praise God, we're going to focus on that because next week we're going to be into Pentecost Sunday. Amen? Amen. So John chapter 1 for the plan. Hope y'all are still reading the plan. Don't let it grow into the habit that you just do rotely do it because you want to hear from heaven out of that chapter amen do it knowing that as the corporate body we're going to look through john all of us looking through john chapter one this morning that or, or this week that you're you're expecting something amen and god will always speak to you if you just get into a ah, well just read the chapter you know you're not going to get anything so look at the person beside you around you and say hey don't do that Okay, you know, of all the things going on with church and all of us being out of here and all, you know, one of the things that's really grieved me in it all, and you may think this is funny, but uh, is taking up our offering. I believe offerings are a holy thing. I know that, that finances are something that we all have to deal with. I know that in troubled times like this, we've got to be flowing in our financial confidence with God that he's going to take care of us. And it just didn't seem right to me for everybody just to mail in your offerings and to send them in. And y'all, 
Man, y'all have been so faithful and such a blessing. And, and there's so many new people out watching the video and sending in. God bless y'all for, for prospering us. We're still going forward. I mean, I'm still, I'm still basically pushing. Everybody's telling me to leave them alone, but I'm still pushing, try to get things going in Kenya. I'm still pushing to, to keep going with Guatemala and all, but everybody's kind of still in lockdown and trying to keep everything going, but it's driving me nuts. I'm ready to get back down to Guatemala and drill some more wells and get things going, and I can't get anywhere, and they shut the country back down, and we can't get in there, and that's just, it bothers me. It really bothers me. And so anyway, but uh, in, in offerings, I want you to understand that when you're, when you're giving your offerings, it's not, oh, you're just, you know, you're, it's, a, it's a duty. I don't want you to look at it like that. It's an honor to be able to give and to sow into the kingdom of God. Jesus said in John 6, 6, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all the things will be added to you. In other words, have a kingdom mentality about what you're doing with finances. And you know, I, I've always been so happy to be able to stand up here and say, man, we're rescuing kids. We're seeing things done. We're on the cutting edge. We're on the front lines of, of what's going on. The other day, I watched a video of someone had sent me about human trafficking, and I was watching this thing. It was just horrible. And and I was thinking, why am I watching this? This is horrible. This is just grieving me as I'm watching this. And, 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 I, and then I got to, this feeling came on me like, man, we're not doing anything. God, what can we do? We got to be doing something. And then all of a sudden, it's like the Holy Ghost said, uh, what? Y'all are doing, a, you're on the cutting edge of everything going on. You've got hundreds of children rescued in Guatemala. We're now focusing over there and thousands and thousands of children in Kenya. And so, you know, we're, we're, folks, I'm telling you, you're doing, your offerings are going to reach a lot of hurting people. Yeah. Amen? Amen? So always be encouraged about that. But always make sure that you're offering, it's an honor. And that when you give your tithes, whether you're having to give it electronically, I don't know how that works, to be honest with you. You know, I'm saying, uh, <laughs> you know, Digits fly out there into space and come out in a range, and I don't, you know, I, I don't understand. But you got to have a point of contact, right? So whether it's your checkbook or your your, I don't know, your debit card, I guess if you're if you're doing it online or something, your debit card or your credit card, you got to make a point of contact, and it's what you're honoring God with, right? Doesn't it seem kind of strange? You just say, you know, here you go, Lord, I'm honoring you with this. The world has changed, right? When we're changing money with this thing, all right? But anyway, get your point of contact this morning. Get your offerings out. Get your credit card out. Get your checkbook out. Whatever you're doing. And I want you to put your... Huh? If anybody could see that thing, man, I can't even see it looking right here. So... Here. Glad somebody watches out for me for security reasons. Put your hand on whatever you've got this morning, whatever you're giving is, and let's honor the Lord and let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the ability to give. Lord, to honor you and what we're doing, to seek the kingdom of God and your righteousness, to bless, Lord God, you and the, and, 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 and the work of God going on on the face of this earth. Lord, that we get to be a part of it. We want to be more of a part of it. We want to reach out and grab and rescue as many children as we possibly can. Lord, deliver them from human traffickers. Deliver them from, from the, a life of abuse and teach them who, your love, who you are, who, what your love is all about. And so, Lord, I thank you for it. I ask you to bless finances, bless people, bless their incomes, bless their businesses, Lord God, today. And we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Now, I want to have the ushers, because we have an empty row between, I'm going to have the ushers go by as the praise and worship uh, team plays to take up the offering, because you can drop it in there and put it in there this morning.
Praise God. Just keep playing there for just a second. You know, one other thing, two other things. This is pretty bad. Uh, gave me the announcement. I have it sitting right here and almost forgot it. We're going to do VBS. We're shooting to do VBS. All right? I'm not going to let kids go through the summer without getting some Jesus in them. Amen. And so July the 20th to the 22nd, we're shooting to do a VBS. Now, unless something happens and they force us to be shut down or something like that, I'm saying things are getting better. I'm saying we're the head, not the tail. And so anyway, uh, talk to Christy. She's running the VBS this year. So July 20th to the 22nd, get all that done. The other thing I wanted that excites me is that our president, I don't know, you may have heard this, declared that churches are necessary. That they are essential businesses. Amen. Now what gets me about that is it sounds kind of crazy that a, the President of the United States, the highest office, has to come up there and tell everybody that a church is a necessary thing. But that's the way the world's going. The world's going to a place where they don't think they need church anymore. But I'm telling you, we need church more than we've ever needed church right now. Amen. And so I want to pray for our president today, our commander in chief. I want you to, I want to ask you to keep praying for him every day. I, I, you know, you may not agree with everything. I do not agree with everything the president does, but I haven't ever totally 100% agreed with any president completely, right? I mean, that's okay. But, man, I'm telling you, we need someone who will stand up and lift up churches, lift up the gospel, lift up Jesus. Amen. And so let's just pray for him. Father, I just thank you for our president. I thank you, Lord, that on this day that we can stop. And as the president says that churches are necessary, they're essential. Lord, that he's looking to you. And so I thank you for blessing him, moving sovereignly. Lord, letting... The world see that the gospel is what we need right now. And Lord, use this president mightily to touch this nation and get us on the right path. To root out all those obstacles around him, Lord God, and the people that would want his failure. But Lord, let there be great success and great victory. Bless him, Lord, this day. His family. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God. So keep playing, praying for him. Lord knows that's a job I wouldn't want. Amen. So anyway, we're here. Bless God, we're here this morning. Glad to see you. Glad y'all are here. Glad we're kind of getting around some, some normal things in life. You know, uh, it's still kind of crazy. You don't know what you're supposed to do. I've just got to wear, I carry a bandana with me. I don't want to put it on. Look like a bank robber, you know, so. But things are just weird. But I'm telling you what, Jesus is still here. And so I want to preach to you this morning, share something with you, and go on on uh, this message that I've been preaching on, on, I don't know what it's called, all right? It's just been good for the last couple of weeks. If you haven't gotten, you missed it, go back. But uh, I called it, I don't know, did we call it the essence of God last week? So I was preaching about the, the essence of God, about knowing God's nature. And, uh, you know, in a crazy times like this, sometimes it's difficult to, to find God. Like this morning I was reading up. I just went through some of the headlines. I want to see what craziness was going on in the world. I went through some of the headlines, and there was this, Professor, Harvard professor who is an atheist, writing this article about why, um, why Trump supporters, he was turning it political, why Trump supporters are more apt to just say, let's just get this over with, let's just stop this social distancing, let's just get back to normal and go. And, and the other side were more of, no, let's stay locked down. Don't go out. Whatever. And he and he, this is his article. I, I'm not saying this. This is his article. He is an atheist, and he said the reason why is because of Christianity. And so I, I thought, what? And so I started reading through this article. And you know how the Apostle Paul said, "Look, there's people here that are mocking me in prison, but don't be, 
don't, don't worry about that because at least the gospel is being preached. This is what it was. This guy, I mean, I got some points out of it. I was like, I could preach that. I mean, this guy was making, the, he was trying to make his point so good that he was preaching the gospel, an atheist. And he's going through this whole thing saying, well, Christians believe in, you know, heaven and they believe that if they die, they're going to go to heaven. So they're not focused upon this earth and about the things of this earth and living their life on this earth because they believe that they're going to another place. And he just keeps preaching this whole thing. And I'm like, dude, what? I don't understand. You're reasoning here. And he says, but atheists, we don't. And we're believing that, you know, that, we're, that this is it. And we want to live as long as we can because we don't have a place to go. And I'm like, man, it's really the I'm like, dude. And it was great, man. It was a great arc. I'm telling you, man, he put it together so well. I mean, I could preach off of it. So my point is, is there's all kinds of things going on that you're just looking at and saying, what? You know, and, and so... We've got to know God. We've got to know the voice of God. We've got to know what it means to walk in the Spirit. What does that really mean? And I've told you all this before. When I first got saved, you know what I mean? I came out of a cattle pen, you know? I didn't know nothing about church and, and, and the things of church. And, and then I got into full gospel circles, you know, and, 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 and I, oh man, they were using verbiage I never even heard of, you know? And, and, and come up for prayer, and they'd say, brother, just receive. And I'd say, see, what? Like, how? What? What am I? You just have to receive. And I'm like, what do I do? You know, I don't know how to do this. Walk in the Spirit, brother. Don't walk in the flesh. And I'm like, but I'm in the flesh, and how am I going to walk in the Spirit? I mean, is there another way to walk? I'm just, and there's all this, you know what I'm saying? Y'all know where I'm at. All this lingo and stuff, I couldn't, it wouldn't calculate and compute in my head because I didn't know anything about church. I'd never read the Bible. Then after years of reading the Bible, sometimes I think I just got myself more confused, right? Because I didn't have anything. So what I, you know, I, I have really endeavored in, in my ministry to, I want to preach a message that's applicable. I want to preach a message that you can take home with you and you can put to use. You can hang it on your belt as a tool to be applied in your life because if you don't, then I don't think I did my job. It's just not, not any good. I don't want to just razzle dazzle you with my amazing oration skills, mainly because there's none there. But so I'm talking about the essence of God. What it makes it, what, what is, what is, you know, what's the smell of God? How do you know the essence of God? What is the root? What is, what is God? Who is God? What is the, the basis? If you, you chop it all up, what is the basis there, the essence of God? And so I've been talking about, you know, in Romans 2, 4, it says um, that that it's the goodness and the forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. The goodness of God leads you to repentance. It is not the hellfire and damnation that leads people to repentance. It's people coming to know that God's really a good God. That's what brings people to know Jesus, all right? So anyway, we've talked about that. We've gone on about that. And so I got down to the point last week where I was talking about knowing you're in the family of God you're born again. You're in the family of God. You're, yo, you're still here. You're still attached to your family, your earthly family, but you've been born again into the family of God. You're now referred to as saints or sons and daughters of God. Your position is you sit at the right hand of the throne of God in Christ. All of us, the moment you get saved, you are not because you're so fantastic, but because the blood of Jesus is so fantastic. Amen? So. Now, I want us to go into knowing the nature of your family. Like, if you look at the nature of my earthly family, I'm talking my earthly family, all right? There's a nature that cuts through that, that, that the Richards family are like. Take it back all the way. We're talking about, you know, they were Texas Rangers, Indian fighters, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff just keeps on going up. Hard, man, nobody said anything. We all had a nature. But the thing is, you've got to know the nature of your heavenly father. Because we want to be like our heavenly father. So then that gets messed up. Because then you got some churches saying, you know, oh, well, God looks like this. And he's, you know, uh, stroking a lamb. And then there's the other ones, he's an angry God, you know, and here's the old man in a rocking chair. And, you know, you get all this stuff. But you've got to know who really God is. You've got to find out the essence and the nature of God, or you're not going to have a successful walk in your life because you've been fed what people have told you. You've got to go into the Word of God. You've got to go into here and find out who is your family. 
What's your family's nature like? What's the essence of your family? So first one I want to show you this morning about the nature of your family is, first of all, your family is big. You're not from a small family. You're from a big family. Now, when I was raised, you know, I only have, I only have an older sister. There's only two of us in the family. And so I can remember having Christmas with nothing. My, my grandparents on my father's side had already gone home to be with the Lord when I was a small kid. So our whole family, big Christmas was six people. And then I married into the Schaefer family. And I remember like needing drugs to go to the very first family deal because I was like overrun by this. Oh my gosh, you know, there's just so many people. There are people everywhere. Who's this? Who's that? You know, all the cousins over there and all the family. And it was just huge and it was loud and it was chaotic and there was food everywhere. Right? And so it was a change. It was a shock to me. Well, I want you to know, first of all, the nature of your family is with God in the family of God is big. And no matter where you go, he's got somebody. To the farthest reaches of this world, people love Jesus and are saved. Do you know that? We're not the only ones. Do not ever let the devil get you convinced that you're the only one. Because what he wants to do is isolate you and get you thinking, oh, you're the only one that serves God. That's bull. There's people that are on fire loving Jesus today. There's people in Africa. There's people in, you know, in, in South America. There's people in Asia. There's people all over this world. They love Jesus. Amen. He's a big family, and he's a big God. God does things on large scales, sits down and makes a world in six days, Spend, spends 20 billion uh, stars into the sky, but he knows them all by name. He's a big God, but he's not so big that you can't get to know him, okay? He's not like he's some big, big corporate big shot that only a few people get in to see him. No, no, no. He's a big God, but he's big, but he can sit down and talk to you. Hello? Listen to me. He can reach out no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you may have gotten away from him, he can reach out and touch you and get hold of you. And no matter how messed up you got everything messed up, he's got a way to fix it. No matter how much you messed it up, he's got a way to fix it. And he's got somebody in the big family that knows how to help you get it fixed. Are y'all with me? You can't get away from him. He's got it. Man, whoo, he's got it all. He knows everything going on. I've told you this this whole pandemic. God is not wringing his hands. Oh, what are we going to do? We didn't figure on the coronavirus. He is not upset. He's not worried. He's not freaking out. He hasn't got angels marching to, you know, to get ready because, you know, oh, my gosh, we're in trouble. No. There's peace in heaven. People that saints that have gone to heaven before us are not saying, oh, don't go up, don't go up towards the throne room today because it's kind of chaotic up there. You know, they've got a problem on earth. That's not taking place. Are y'all with me? See, sometimes we want to get to thinking, you're freaking out, but God's not freaking out. He's a big God. You need to stop. Every time you get into a situation in life, you need to stop and say, you know, my daddy's so big, he's got... He's got something for this situation. Somebody says it's a rare disease. Well, it's not rare to my daddy. He knows all about diseases. And he knows how to cure them. Follow me? The devil wants you to make you think, oh, man, you're just a little lowly worm. You can barely get up to talk to him. You know, whatever. No, no, no. He's big. He's huge. He spins worlds into existence. He spins everything into, into existence. Speaks and things happen. There's a psalm, I think it's 79, that says that God even knows the bounds of the seas, the, 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 the sea level, the water, the sea levels. And I thought, well, that just throws global warming right out of the picture if he already knows how much where the sea level is supposed to be. So he, he's got it taken care of. He knows what it needs to do. Maybe it just needed some water in the ocean. Anybody ever stop thinking about that one? Maybe God had it all worked out. Melt a little ice, put a little more water in there. It's like a swimming pool, got low, evaporated, put a little in there. I don't know. But I know on the scale of, of just like that, it would be just like me trying to manage a kiddie pool that I bought at Walmart, right? A kiddie pool. God's looking at the world and the oceans like that. He can manage it. Do not let the devil ever get you feeling isolated, 
Do not let him get you pushed off over to the side and think that you're the only ones walking through this. Do not do that. That is a trap of the curse. Now, I've been talking to you a lot about the curse and the blessing lately. And I'm telling you right now, the curse is wanting to come upon humanity. And one of the things, the first things that, that just pops to my attention when, when all this started coming, the first one was, is I started hearing isolation, 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 social distancing, getting away from everybody. I'm like, oh, I don't like the sound of that. That's not good because humans, we need contact and, and we need to be together, and the man who isolates himself seeks his own desires, what Proverbs says, and so we're going to get into trouble because humans shouldn't be left alone. And sure enough, we're seeing all that play out, all right? We're seeing elderly folks that have been isolated for a long time literally dwindling because of no contact with humanity, okay? So my point is, God has a way to move, but we've got to understand what's the curse and what's the blessing. I just want you to understand, if you want to see the curse comes upon you to make you go small, God comes upon you to make you go big. He's a big God. Amen? Now, the second one is I really want to get into this morning, and before you turn me off, don't turn me off. Don't even get close to your button this morning, I'm telling you. Because I want to say a word here that some of y'all are going to say, he shouldn't be talking about that. It's not that bad, but... Anyway, <clears throat> the second thing I want to talk to you about this morning that I really want to major on this morning is in about the nature and the essence of God. Go to Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. Proverbs 8, 13. If you want to walk in the Spirit, well, then what you do is you understand the essence of God, the nature of God, and then you just walk like that. And it says in Proverbs 8, 13, the fear of the Lord... To start out in life, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogance, the evil way, and the perverse mouth I hate. Now, my mother would always tell me when I was a kid, don't say the word hate. You don't hate. Don't, don't say that. And I was always chest out. But now, see, yeah, I've got a few mothers right here. I knew I was going to catch some trouble here. So, but I want to look at this. When it says God hates evil, or the Lord is to hate evil, okay? That word hate, when you go look it up and you start looking at it, it means extreme dislike or disgust. It's like a foul odor. The reason why is it's incompatible with his nature. It's the opposite of love. That's what he's talking about. He, like none of us this morning, like if, if I brought a box of skunks in here, I'm pretty sure y'all would be moving out of the way pretty quick, right? We do not. Have you ever gotten sprayed by a skunk? Hey, man, if you've ever got really sprayed by a skunk, lift your hand. I want to see. Is anybody here? Okay, man, I got some in here. Y'all have been. I remember when I was, we, I was, you know, young and we were trapping. I remember I caught a skunk one time. And so my sister and I, we were in business together trapping. So the way we country people could make money back then. And we caught this skunk. And it was in a pretty good location, but it had this skunk caught in a trap. And so my sister said, well, let's go down there, you know, shoot it, and, and then we'll go get it out. And so I did. And so we went down there, and it wasn't too smelly. And so she said, look, I'll stand on the trap, and then you, you flick it out, and we'll get, get the trap out of here. And so I thought, okay. I mean, this sounds... I never did quite trust my sister a whole lot on everything. And I thought, you know, I thought the situation through. And I thought, you know, I got a stick, and yeah, this sounds like it could be okay. And well, it wasn't. As soon as I stuck him with a stick, even though he was dead, he sprayed, sprayed me just... Totally down. So, man, I go to the house, and oh, my gosh, mother was out there and, you know, made me strip off, and they poured everything in the world over the top of my head, you know. But you have never, if you've ever really gotten sprayed, you smell a skunk is bad, but it's a completely different story to be sprayed by skunk. And you get that oil on you and get it in your mouth, and, I mean, it is some rough, rough, rough stuff, all right? So that's why I wanted to see some hands so I could look at some sympathizers in here because I know you know what I'm talking about. If you've been sprayed by a skunk, it is wicked, all right? It ain't nothing like just got by where he sprayed. It's a total different experience. That's how God feels about evil. That's how God feels about the curse. Now, see, you got to understand, if you're going to walk in the spirit, you want to walk in the blessing. You don't want to walk in the curse. 
Walking in the curse, God doesn't like it. He doesn't want to have anything to do with it. It's repugnant to him. It's, it's, it's pungent. It's, it, wow, man, he doesn't want to even be around it. That's what that word means. When you want to start your life walking with God, you need to be that away towards anything that represents the curse. We never hate people because people God loves. Human beings God loves. We hate the curse that's come upon them and what the curse has done. Are you hearing what I'm saying here? You hate the curse that's got into people and touched people in such a way that they've gotten off and have become, man, foul to the things of God. Now, God loves them. But you got to understand something. He hates the curse. He hates the evil. He hates that, that, that demonic force that is manipulated in the world to get you off. God hates it. So just about the time you're starting to serve God, walk with God, learn from God, hear everything God's saying, doing good, then all of a sudden something comes to trip you up. God hates that. Are you following me? Now, I don't know about y'all, but if there's something I hate, I mean, I deal with it. My point is here, God wants to deal with it. God wants to get the curse out of your life. He wants to get you over here in the blessing and get you out of that stuff because he doesn't want you in it. Because he knows it's going to lead to death. He knows it's going to lead to destruction. And if we want to start walking by the things of the Spirit, if you'll just start to develop a nature that the curse and the things of the curse disgust you, you don't want to be around it just like, not like, oh, that person is so disgusting. No, it's like the odor from evil makes me sick. You're going to start to walk in the Spirit. You're going to learn to, man, I don't smell right. You're going, to get, you're going to start to get away from that. All of you know, man, I mean, a skunk, I mean, when God armed him, I don't know if he just felt sorry for him. Like, like, dude, you don't stand much of a chance. I want to give you something that, woof, ain't nothing in the kingdom going to get after you. Because he's, I mean, a skunk is not very ferocious. I mean, he could bite you, but it's not that end you need to worry about, not the teeth end, right? But if you'll start to get with evil that way, it'll cause you to walk in the spirit. It'll cause you to walk in the things of God. You'll start to get attracted to the scent and the essence of what God smells like, what is godly. You'll start to go over there, and that's what you want to be in, and everything else, it, it just grieves you. You don't want to be with it. Look at Hebrews 1.8. Hebrews 1.8. Am I making any sense to you today? Hebrews 1 and 8 says, But to the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. There you go again. He says, this is why, Jesus, I love you so much as you're my son and walking with my essence and my nature because you love righteousness and you hate evil. You love righteousness and you hate evil. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Now listen to this. When you start to want and desire the essence of God, and you start to get disgusted with lawlessness, the result of that is the oil of gladness coming in your life. In other words, you get happier. The deception is going on in the world, in the worldly course, in the worldly ways, is that the more you indulge your flesh, the better it is. But the truth of it is, the more you indulge your flesh, the more power you give to the curse, and the more unhappy you get. It's like I've always said about dieting, okay? It's just such a perfect example. I can try to diet. I can try to tell myself you're going to eat right. And then, then I'm, my body, I mean, if I just mention the word diet, it's like a switch is turned on in my head and yearns for ice cream. Like before, I didn't have the problem. Then I said, oh, I'm going to go on a diet. Oh, God, I just want to eat ice cream. So then I succumb. 
I said, okay, I'm going to go ahead and feed my flesh. So I eat the ice cream. And then immediately my body turns to me and says, you're such, just a pig. You won't even, you don't have any resistance, even resistance. And I was like, you were just telling me to eat it. And now you're telling me, condemning me. That's the life of a diet. All right? The way to get out of that is to go into the mindset that you want to nourish your body. You want to nourish your body with the Word of God? You want to nourish your body with whatever God has. And you want to be a blessing. And Lord, I want to walk in the blessing. And I'm not listening to my flesh and its desires. I just want to be nourished by you and what you want me to eat. Now you've got a chance because then the curse says, well, we, you know, can't do much with that. This is the, this is the ways you walk in the Spirit. See, the even religious world wants to make it so complicated. Oh, brother, you've got to walk in the Spirit. And we're like, I don't know how to do this. This is what it means to walk in the Spirit. You just desire the things that God desires. And that's what you want to walk in. So you don't, you know, you don't, you don't lie. You don't cheat. You don't gossip. Because it disgusts you. You're grieved when you walk in anger. Then you're walking in the Spirit. Something's changing you. Yeah, it's the Holy Ghost on the inside of you, working in you, bringing about, and working out a great redemption. Amen? Okay, let me go to the next one. Okay, so go to 1 Corinthians 13. Let's look at the opposite. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 gives you the, word, the verbiage of what love is. Okay, so this is the opposite of what I just talked about. Now, it says, this isn't the words of love, Paul talking about. Love always gets walked over. Love always is beat on. Love always has to lose. Is that what y'all says? Oh. But isn't that what's written in the world? That if you're going to be a love, if you're going to walk in love, you're going to be a doormat? If you're going to walk in love, you're going to, you know, not have any victory? The curse says you have to go in and you have to step on people in order to get ahead. The curse says you can only win by you know, having war. Paul says love suffers long. You don't have to raise any hands here. Just don't look down at the floor because I know I got you. Uh, how many of y'all have ever said, I've about had enough of this? Okay, that's, that's you stepping out of the spirit and starting to walk into the curse because love suffers long. Stop and ask yourself a question. How long has God suffered with you? I'm doing some work for my mother, and my mo she said the other day, I said, oh, I just hate you, go down there and get tired, and you have to draw this stuff for me. And I was like, well, mother, let me tell you, you changed my diaper. You fed me. You took care of me. You raised me. You loved me. You did all this. The least I can do is this. Love suffers long. All right? It's kind. It doesn't envy. Does not parade itself. Remember over there in Proverbs, it says he didn't like, God hates arrogance because it's the opposite of love. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Ooh, that's the one that always gets me. I've been wrestling with having to go apologize to some people because uh, I went into a store and they required you to wear a mask. And uh, I walked into the store and they, several people didn't have a mask on. And I was hot, and I was tired, and I was grumpy, and they told me I had to put a mask on. I said, I don't want to put a mask on. So eventually we went around this, and I finally wrapped my wet bandana around my face and walked in, got my stuff, walked out, and I was mad about it. And I complained and griped and murmured and talked to the Lord about it. I mean, I just was just horrible. And then I was, you know, got this message. Doesn't behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, is not provoked. I mean, I was just reading this and I was like, Lord, help me, forgive me, Jesus. I've just been walking in the curse. I have, I have succumbed. I have lost the essence of walking with God because I got provoked, got provoked quick. Didn't take much of a stick to poke me with either. Thanks, no evil. Well, I lost that one too. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You see, that is the nature of love. It's not 
It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It's an action. That is the essence of who God is. If you want to walk in the Spirit, that's what you need to shoot for. The only way I walked in the Spirit the other day after that deal was massive repentance. Conviction and repentance. That's how I walked in the Spirit. But it took me hours to get there because I had to get all my complaining, griping, and murmuring out. But you know what? I'm not ashamed because, you know, I made it. Right? That's what's important. I made it. Okay. Go to John 13, 34. This is knowing the essence of God. John 13, 34. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you. That you love one another as I have loved you. So how much is that? I mean, he went to the cross and died for us, took all the beatings and stripes on his back so that we could walk in health and healing. And so he did all of that. He went to the most endured, the, 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 something that was just unbelievable. Then if he says, that's how much we're supposed to love, love everybody as much as I've loved you. Well, then you're really hung because there's not anybody we're going to run across then that we can't love. But what does that mean? Oh, you, you, you just lay down and let them run over you? Oh, you, you ooshy-gooshy all over them? No, you go back up here. You're going to have to suffer along with them. You're going to have to pray for them. You're going to have to find a way for you not to operate in the curse and pray for them and bless them. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to find some way. You're walking in the Spirit. That is walking in the Spirit. You see, you're confronted, you're hit, you're challenged, and instead of acting like the curse... You stop and you say, okay, God, your word says for me to pray for that person. I'm going to suffer along with them. The moment you do that, you technically walked in the Spirit. Does that make sense? You didn't transcend into another place and and now I'm in the Spirit. Oh, I'm walking in the Spirit. That's just goofy. Forgive me if you do that, practice it a lot, but you might ought to take a look at yourself in the mirror. Walking in the Spirit means that person came on you, wanted, you wanted to punch him in the face. The thought that ran through your mind said, I want to punch you in the face. You are a fool. But you stop and say, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to get into violence. I'm putting my gun down. It's going back in here. Get it away from me. I'm not going to mess with that. No, no. I say, what do I do? Love suffers long. Father, I just ask you, please bless this fool. I mean, that may where well, you had to start out at, right? I mean, you may not be able to get down to, oh, Father, just love him, touch him. He's in no, you may be at the, Lord, this guy's a fool listening to the curse and just, yeah, I'm praying. I'm, I mean, you're still walking in the Spirit. It may not be too pretty. It's like I saw a person one day jogging down the road, and I just, when I went by, I just, I just kind of in my mind said, man, they ought to quit that. That just don't look right. I mean, they just looked so ugly jogging, like something wasn't right, like they were just out of sync. I mean, it was ugly. And, I, you know, you see some people, there's gracefully like a little doe running down the road. Yeah, yeah. No. And this, this is really ugly. And I said, they shouldn't do this. So that may be how you are walking in the Spirit. You, you're looking kind of ugly in it. You ain't got it quite got it down. You're praying for them in a bad way, but you're praying. So you, you'll get there. You'll get yourself all worked out and. Get your hips lubricated up where you can go work, run right or find that right pair of shoes or something, you know. The only reason why I use those kind of examples like that is I tried it the other day. I tried jogging. It didn't last long. And, man, it was ugly and hurt. So I know all about it. The fourth one, let me see if I can get through these real quick. Because I'm preaching next week on the Holy Ghost, so I want to finish these. Ephesians 3.20, Ephesians 3.20, the essence of God here. Now, I just want you to understand something. God, I, I'm going to say this, and I'm sorry that if, you're, if you've read the books and you looked at it and that's what you believe right now, just get challenged, check me out. I'm right. So much has been written and said, oh, yes, God always answers prayer. Sometimes he says yes, and sometimes he says no. Well, if you're praying for something really stupid, like, Lord, I don't like my neighbor over there burn his house down, you're not even going to get an answer to that. And if you did get one, it's going to be no, because God, you can't do that. All right, that's just goofy. All right. But 
I'm telling you, God is a God of abundance. That's the point. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. God is a God of abundance. God is not short. God has not got limited resources to help you. His hand is not short that he cannot rescue you. He is a God of abundance. He has abundance grace, abundant mercy, abundant of love. He has abundance of finances. God has abundance. He does not run it out on, you know, I, I can't give you a prescription for this because we're running short. Right? God is a big God, yes. Right? God is a God who hates evil. God is a God who walks in love, but God is a God who is a God of abundance. He is not going to run short. If everybody right now on the face of the earth wanted to get saved at the same time, he can handle it. If everybody needs to be healed at the same time, he can handle it. Finances, he can handle it. I have read stories. Just go back and read. Go research. Just prove me wrong. You go look at somebody like George Mueller who had an orphanage back in the early 1900s in in uh, uh, England, and he would play. He would pray every day. He had no food. He's taking care of children. He had no food. He would pray. He would give God his grocery list. He'd say, Lord, we need food today. We need, we need bread. We need onions. We need this. We need eggs. We need all. He'd list the whole thing down. And then in a minute, he'd wait, and the door would ring, and he'd go to the front. There'd be a person saying, I don't know why. I just come here. I just felt like I needed to bring you this. And it would be exactly his list. You tell me God can't supply? And see, so many times you say, well, if God could supply like that, why didn't he just give him the money that he just needed to go down to the grocery store and buy? Maybe it's more fun this way. One of the things I've learned about God is that he really likes to pull it out in such a way that you, he gets all the glory for it. We always want to win the lotto, right? And just have the money in the bank. But I want to tell you something. The day you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, that's the day you won the lotto. The day he became your, your heavenly father, and that's the day that you really understand it and you walk in it, that's the day you won the lotto. You won an eternal lotto right then that God is a God, a big God, a God who hates evil, a God who loves you, and a God that supply for you more than you can ever pray for. You hit the lotto. You're just not operating in it. I said this last week. If the gospel is not working for you, you're doing something wrong. If this Bible is not working for you, you're doing something wrong. If you're living in poverty and, and you're in, in your life, well, then you're doing something wrong because God is a God of abundance. Now, does that mean God wants everybody to have a millionaire? I don't know. I don't know if you want to be a millionaire or you want to have a big mansion or you want to have a big, long pink Cadillac with steer horns in the front. I don't know. But I'm telling you, I know that God says if you have faith, he'll supply it more than you could think. I don't want a Mercedes. I like my truck. Are y'all with me? You see what I'm saying? There's things, there's certain things in life. I don't want them because I don't, and I have learned in life, I don't want a whole lot of stuff because the more stuff I have, then the more responsibility I have. And I got enough things I'm responsible for right now. I don't want something else. I used to always be praying, oh God, I just want a big ranch. You know, give me my ranch back. The ranch that I, I lost and, and all that. You know, Lord, just give me all that. You know, I can have cattle and all this. And finally one day I got to thinking, wait a minute, do I want this? Do I really want all this? Do I really want that responsibility or not? So I got to plan about airplanes. I said, Lord, oh, God, I just need an airplane. I can just go fly where I want to. Well, there was two reasons for that. One is I just don't like to be on an airplane with people. I don't like everybody telling me what to do and where to sit and going through all that stuff and treat me like I'm some kind of a terrorist when going on there and body scanning me and everything else. I just want my own plane. That was one reason. The second reason was is, is uh, you know, it would just be to my convenience of me flying what the hours I wanted to, right? And so it's all about comfort. But then I got to investigating about airplanes, and I finally I changed my prayer. And I said, Lord, let someone who has an airplane let me fly on their airplane so they can pay for it, and they can take care of the fuel, and they can take care of that. That's the blessing. I don't want the plane. Because with that comes a bunch of responsibility. My point is, God is a God of abundance, and he says, if you have faith to believe for it, you can have it. So if you got faith to believe for it, you can have it. But if you're just living in poverty, barely making it, that's not your God of abundance. 
You should have an abundant love. You should have an abundant joy. You should have joy to share with people. An abundance of knowledge. An abundance of peace. You should be the person that goes into a, a room full of people and, and, and loses peace, not joins in the chaos. There's enough for you and everybody else. Hello? Because your God is a God of abundance. John 10, 10 this says the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly, abundant life. Everything about the kingdom of, the, of your family is about abundance. So that you can have an abundance to give is what the, what the scripture says. Right? I want finances so I can have an abundance to give. I want to have money in my pocket so that I can give. I don't want to be in need and just pray for the person who's in need. I want to be able to meet that need. So, so let me just, just a couple more little things. Okay. So you need to go read the story in 2 Kings chapter 4. It was, it was last week's plan. But 2 Kings chapter 4 is a story of Elisha with the, with the widow who was in trouble. Her, she, was a, she was the pastor's, she wasn't a pastor's wife, she was one of the prophet's wives. And she's in trouble and, she's, and her kids and they're about to come get, the, 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 the creditors are coming, they're going, man, they're going to take her, her house, her kids, put them in slavery, going to do all this kind of stuff. She's in trouble, she's, got, you know, she's bound, and, and she goes to Elisha and says, man, i got to help me. And he says, what do you have? Now, if you'll, if you'll hear this, because this can help some of you right now in the middle of this. What do you have? And she said, well, I got nothing but this, this pot of oil. And it's just got a little in it. Now, that's pretty, pretty desperate, right? She didn't say, well, I, had, I got $12.46. No, she said, I, all I have is a pot with a little bit of oil in it. And Elisha said, okay, that's enough. Now, go get all the pots. Borrow from your neighbors all the pots. Go get all the pots and all the pans. Everything she's got, everything that will hold oil in it, go get it. Now, don't you know they were thinking, what is he going to pull off? So they go to the neighbors. They ask to you know, get everybody's pot, everybody's five-gallon bucket, everybody's water drawer, everybody's whatever they got. Give me your pots. Give me your stuff. They go get from the people. Remember, God's a big God. He has a lot of people. So they go get from the people. They bring them into the house, and they start pouring the oil. Now, this is one of the ones that I want to see the DVD when I get to heaven. I don't know how that worked, right? I want to know, did, you know, when she got through, was it half full? How did it work? I, I mean, I want to see that baby. That, this, this is one of the stories of the Bible that is really just messes with my head. But she starts pouring. She pours. Can you imagine sitting there? She knew there was just a little bit of wool in there. Clug, 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 Okay, get out of the pot. Clug, 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 clug. I mean, wow. And then she gets another one, and it did not run out until she ran out of pots. Hear what I'm saying? It didn't run out until she ran out of pots. So what if it's all over with, and she sits down that evening because she paid off the debt, right? She had enough. That's what it says. If you go read the story, she had enough, and she paid off the debt, and she got out of it. But she could have been a gazillionaire if she'd have borrowed more pots. I mean, if it would have been me, I'd have been telling my wife, go get the tarp, you know, go get some, some black plastic, put it down, we'll put it in the down, fill it up, you know, watch this thing keep running, man, look at all of it. This case, it's an endless pot, but it only happened that one time, and then when it was over with, it was over with. But what I'm telling you is, see, when you start believing God, the pot never quits running. In your life, because he's a God of abundance, when you start believing God, he never stops. I have a friend, and I've always joked with him about this, and he's, he doesn't live around here or nothing like that. But um, he always, he, you know, I'll say, well, I'll pray for that. And I say, well, you know, he has this mentality that you only pray for big things because you don't want to waste little prayers. And I'm like... I, there's an abundance of prayers. God answers abundance of prayers. It's not like I only have so many cards to play. I mean, it's an abundance. I can pray anytime I want to about anything. And I'll still get it. Well, it's like I don't want to pull on the strings. You know, I just, when I really need it, then I'll pray. And I'm like, that's dumb. 
There's an abundance of prayers. There's an abundance. God will answer your prayers. Amen? And if you're watching me, I'm sorry if I offended you. Okay? Uh, but you follow me? God will answer every prayer you have because your pot won't ever run dry. He wants to bless you continually in your life. He wants to continue to pour in your life. It never, ever stops because he's a God of abundance. He's a God of abundance, church. He wants to bless you. You're not going to run out of love. You're not going to run out of grace. You're not going to run out of mercy. You're not going to ever run it out with God. This is his nature. This is his essence. So we sometimes, we grow tired and we grow weary and we want to stop going forward. But I'm telling you, God in our family, he did not create us like that. He created us to continue to go forth and to be blessings, to continue to preach the gospel, to continue to help people, to continue to rescue orphans, to continue to bless people in life, to continue to be a smiling face in the midst of a troubled world, to be a voice that says, everything's going to be okay. We're going to make it. Amen. So put your Bibles up. I have some more points, but I'm not going to get to them. And let me just talk to you for just a second. Matter of fact, everybody just stand up if you would. And just hear me today, church. For those of you watching and everybody else in here, just listen to me. Jesus loves you. He cares so much about you that he has an abundance of love for you. He is not a God who is short-sighted or can't work you in. And if you've ever felt that and you felt like maybe God has just forgotten you or forsaken you, listen to me. Right now, I want to pray for you, and I want to break that spirit off of you because that's a part of the curse that's come on you. He's just lied to you. The devil's lied to you. He's trapped you into a place of isolation, and, and that's not what God wants. God wants you in abundance, church. So if you're in here or if you're watching, I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. But some of you out there that are watching, some of you in here, you may not have a relationship with Jesus. You may not have ever started and known who this great God is and started your relationship with Jesus. It's really simple. It's really simple. All you have to do is believe that he is the son of God, that he died on a cross for you, that he gave his life, and that his blood will wash you of your sins and ask him to come into your life. The moment you do that, right then, whether you, you, you don't go anywhere physically, but spiritually, you're born again spiritually, you become a child of God seated at the right hand of the throne of the Father. And for you out there, maybe you've never done that. Well, I just want you to understand right now, I want to pray for you. And so whether you're in here or you're out there, listen, let's pray and just say, Father, I want you to come. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I want you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe, I believe today in you, Jesus. Amen. Now I'm telling you, that's a simple prayer, but if you mean it from your heart, God will touch you. For those others of you that you felt God has not been by you, he's, he's like forsaking you, I want to pray for you right now. So lift your hearts up to heaven and let me pray over you, and I'm going to close this service today. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I declare you are a God of abundance. Every person in here, every person watching that has been lied to by the enemy, that has been taken down a road that says, God, you've, you, you've not had enough for them, that, God, today their eyes would be open, they would see that you have abundance of love for them, abundance of grace, abundance of mercy, abundance of finances, that you are a God of abundance. And, Lord, that they would take on that nature in their life. Where the curse has come upon them, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Say, you have no right, you have no place. But today that we are the children of God, born again, washed in the blood of Jesus. I declare today the curse can't touch us. It has no right over us. But we're going to walk as children of God, being in the household of God and the family of God. And Lord, I thank you for that etching this into their hearts today. Blessing them, Lord God, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you today. God bless you for tuning in. God bless you for being here. Be blessed. Amen.